Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you were blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. The Gospel of the Lord. All right, well, good morning. My name is Cody Quinn, and I'm the pastor of Students and Connections here at One Fellowship. And it's such an honor always to be able to stand in the pulpit and speak to you guys. Now, the title of my sermon this morning is The Anchor. And so we'll talk about this anchor here a little later in the service. But before I begin, uh, let's bow and say a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for who you are who you are to us, who you are to those around us. And Father, I pray that as I speak today, Father, that it would be your words. Father, that they would cut through our hearts. They would change us and shape us and mold us to be more and more like you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So here's a question for you as we begin. Where do you go for safety? Where do you go for security? Where do you go? Where do you run to? Now, in 1996, one of the greatest movies of all time came out. Twister. <laughs> you guys remember Twister? 
You may not agree with what I, the statement I just made, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Twister. Now, if I had have been through a Twister, I may not like it that much, but I like the movie. And in that movie, towards the end, you see the two main characters running from the biggest tornado, the biggest twister that they have ever seen, right? They're, they're storm chasers. This is their dream to find these huge, big storms, and they find the biggest one of all. And now they have to run from it. They find themselves in fear, running for safety, running for security, hoping for their life to be spared from this storm. They run through a barn, and the barn gets ripped up. There's pieces of wood flying everywhere. There's tools flying everywhere around them. Luckily, they do not get hit. So the movie continues, right? They keep running through. They keep running through the field. They, they go through the barn, through the field. And then they find the smallest little, looks like an outhouse, but it's a little tool shed, I guess. And they run in there, a little pump station, and they find some, some rope and they say, okay, here's where we have to make our stand. We can't run any further. And so the, the guy finds some rope and they, they tie themselves to the, the plumbing that's in there, the pipes that are coming from the ground, and they hunker down. They anchor down. And the tornado rips that little white pump house to shreds. You see them flying. Their feet are off the ground. They're, they're going, but they're, they're anchored into this plumbing that itself is anchored into the foundation or anchored into the ground. And you actually see in the middle of that, uh, they get in the eye of the storm. And again, they're just flailing all in the air. And they actually see they turn from fear to like this joy of being in this storm that they've been chasing for a long time. And then the storm ultimately uh, passes over them. And just in the nick of time, it, it goes away. And uh, that is one of my favorite movies of all time. But we see that the main characters, in order to be safe, in order to be secure from this storm, they have to find some anchor point that'll keep them to the ground or the storm would have taken them away. And that relates very closely to our story today, to our scripture today at the end of John chapter 10, which shows my main point this morning, which is this, or my big idea is that Jesus the anchor for our soul has come to save us. Jesus, the anchor for our soul, has come to save us. So let me share from John chapter 10 a little context from our, from our scripture. So follow me as I read verse 22. At the time of the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So we find ourselves here, verse 22 of John chapter uh, 10. 
And it says that they're at the Feast of Dedication. And so in Kent Hughes' commentary, he talks about how this is two months after the first part of John chapter 10. And you can go back in our sermon history here, Pastor Paul, uh, preach on the first part, but it's all about Jesus being the good shepherd. And Kent Hughes talks about how this must be the same crowd of religious leaders that he's talking to because Jesus brings back up two months later, he brings back up this conversation of the good shepherd. Clearly, the point has not gotten across to the religious leaders yet. And this is not even the first or second time that he has shared this. But we see that the, the religious leaders say, hey, tell us plainly. Just tell us if you're the Messiah. And now this seems like a good question, but in all reality, as we already know, as we've been studying the book of John, is that they're just trying to trap him. All they want to do is get rid of Jesus. This guy who's saying that he is the son of God, they're trying to trap him. But Jesus says he is the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, and as we talked about a couple weeks ago, is that as the good shepherd, he fully knows his sheep. He fully knows us. And although he knows everything about us, he fully delights in us and in who we are and who he has created us to be. Not only that, but a good shepherd fully provides and fully protects his sheep. But here's the thing about sheep is that as sheep, we are utterly helpless without the shepherd. We need a shepherd. And Jesus is claiming here that he is the good shepherd. He is the one and the only. The good shepherd. And we need him. We need him. Which points us to point number one for today. So let's read John chapter 10, verse 29 to 30. Jesus is the anchor. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Now, every time I went to type up these notes in Google Docs, it always wanted to change the good shepherd to a good shepherd. There's always this blue little squiggly line under the, and every time I had to go back and change it, I would right click and I don't want it to say A. I want it to say the good shepherd. Google doesn't understand what Jesus is trying to say. Many of us don't understand what he's trying to say here. The religious leaders do not understand what Jesus is saying here, what he's claiming here to be the good shepherd. But how can he say this? How can he say, how can he claim to be the good shepherd? In Ephesians chapter 1, starting verse 20, it says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Jesus has been seated at the right hand of the Father. After coming to this earth, living the perfect life, dying on the cross, being laid in a tomb for three days, God raised him to see at the right hand of authority. We see in other places of scripture that he has authority over the wind and the waves. 
Even nature listens to Jesus and to his authority. We see all throughout scripture where he heals the blind. He makes the lame walk again. He raises the dead to life. We see Jesus has this authority. But where does it come from? Isaiah 46 says this, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. We read this about God and in our scripture in John chapter 10, verse 30, it says, I and the Father are one. The reason that Jesus has the authority that he has is because Jesus himself is anchored into God. That's where his authority comes from. That's where all authority comes from. Jesus is anchored in the Father. How much more should we be anchored in the Father? Which leads us to point two. Jesus has come to save us. Starting in verse 31 of our scripture. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him, as always, right? Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for the blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated or set apart and sent into this world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand the Father is in me and I in the Father. And once again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. And there's a lot in this scripture. We see first again that the true heart of the Jews or the religious leaders here comes out. They try to stone him. They pick him up. They pick the stones up once again, try to stone him. We also see in here, there's this language of talking back in scripture of how if they're called sons of God, how do you not believe me? In Psalm 82, we read that some of the leaders of that time, if they were uh, of God, then they would call them sons of God. And Jesus here is pointing out, if you can call them sons of God, I'm, I'm doing the works of the Father even more so God the Father has set me apart in a special way why do you not believe me? With what your word says, your word, the scripture cannot be broken. If you call them that, how can you not even trust me? That your scripture says God has set me apart. Jesus says, if nothing else, believe my works. Even if you don't believe in who I am and what I'm saying, look at my works. They point to who I am pointing to. They point to the one who has sent me. They point to the one who has given me the authority to do the works in the first place. Look at them. But here's what sticks out to me in this passage. Here's what I believe is, is 
the greatest point. That these people are here trying to kill Jesus, right? They're picking up stones to stone him. This isn't the first time. This isn't the second time. This is the third time in the book of John that this has taken place. And yet, what do we see Jesus doing? He's rebuking them. He's calling them out. But what's the heart behind it? The heart is so that they will be saved. The heart is so that they will come to know who he is and find safety and find security. Not this false security that they have in the law, but security in Christ. I wish I had that heart. Those who come against me, I wish I had more of the heart of Christ to continue to try and plead them over for the case of Christ. A lot of times I'll write them off. I may say some bad words under my breath about them, if we're honest, or maybe not under my breath, right? (laughs) But Jesus here is fighting for their souls. And that sticks out to me. He's not just here for the lowly outcasts that we often read about, those who can't help themselves, but he's here for those in prominent positions as well. If you find yourself in a prominent position today, if you find yourself as a leader in your company, if you have, or if you're the leader of your family, or no matter where you are, Jesus wants to be saved. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to find security in him. Ultimately, here he's offering for us to be anchored in him. He himself is anchored in the Father. They are one, and now he has given us this invitation that we would also be anchored in him, where true hope, true safety, true security comes from. And so the truth is out. The the truth is out about Jesus. Once again, the the religious leaders have said, tell us plainly. He's told them once again that he is the one who saves, that he is the good shepherd, that he's the only one that will fully know you and still fully love you, that he's the only one that can provide for you when no others can. He's the only one that can fully protect you, that will never give up on you as we heard in the sermon previously, that he's the one that will sleep at the gate for you so that when you are at your most vulnerable, he will be there. He is here to fully, securely save you. But oftentimes we follow a different shepherd, right? We often follow a different shepherd. Now look at this anchor here. Right? I think a lot of people know what this is, especially here in Charleston. This is a boat anchor. A lot of them that you see are a little bigger, a little sharper edge. They may be made out of steel. Uh, but this is all they had at Walmart last night, okay? <laughs> I didn't think of this illustration enough time to ask Paul for his boat anchor. But look, what does this anchor do? You, th- you take the anchor out of your boat. You throw it in the sand so that your boat will stay where you want it to stay. No matter what the tide does, no matter what the wind does, if you want your anchor, if you want your boat to stay, you throw the anchor out and the prongs dig in and they're anchored down. Your boat is anchored in. Now there's another type of weight that you use when you're on the water sometimes. These are called uh, bullet weights, right? I don't know if you can see those. 
bullet weights. You put them on your fishing line so that your, your, your lure will sink faster or maybe even that it'll stay in place. Could you imagine putting your boat, anchoring your boat with this? Your boat's gonna be gone if you anchor it with this bullet weight. But oftentimes in life, that's exactly what we do. We anchor ourselves to weights that are like this bullet weight rather than this, rather than a true anchor. And the tide takes us and the waves take us because we're not anchored in securely. And so where are you anchored? To whom or to what are you anchored? Are you anchored in your job? Is your identity found in those that you surround yourself with as good as community is, as needed as community is, as we found over the past year, if nothing else? That's not the true anchor. That's a supporting anchor. Christ is the true anchor. If you anchor yourself to anything else, the amount in your bank account, the clothes that you wear, whatever your identity may be, keeping up with the Joneses, ultimately it will fail. It's empty. It's like the bullet weight compared to this. Your boat, your life will drift. When we're anchored to anything other than Christ, the good shepherd, security is not promised. The Protection will fail and love will fade. So the question is, to whom or what will you be anchored? The good shepherd or something far, far less? Jesus, the anchor for our soul, has come to save us. Let's pray. God, today we are yours. We say that we want to be anchored to you. We don't want to drift. We don't want the, the things of this world to sway us, to cause us to go away from you, to cause our days to be ruined, our lives to be ruined, to take us into the depths. But Father, in you, no matter what comes, whether it's a twister, whether it's a virus, whether it's a, a job loss, whether it's a, a, a divorce, whether it's what, fill in the blank, no matter what, our hope is secure in you. We can find safety, we can find hope everlasting in you. Father, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for providing us a way. Thank you for offering us to be anchored within yourself. My prayer today is that we would trust you fully in our life. It's in your name I pray, amen.